Behind every success story, there is a long line of triumphs and defeats that remain hidden from others. These stories get condensed into journeys that minimize the struggle and wrap up with a happy ending. But we know that's not how life works. That's where From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay comes in. On today's show, you'll hear honest conversations about the challenges that Mark's guest faced and how they overcame adversity. Now, here is your host, Mark Azoulay. Welcome back to the show. I'm here with Lion Goodman, the founder of the Clear Beliefs Method. Um, he's been writing some books, Manlightenment, Clear Your Clients, Limiting Beliefs. And he's a co-founder of a organization called the Tribe of Men. We were just chatting before, and there's a lot of overlap between the two of us. Um, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mark. It's so great to be here with you. Yeah, I'm really excited to learn more about your method, to learn about your work, your history, kind of how you got to where you are today. Um, you know, for the listeners out there, we were talking before, and Lion is part of those same kind of like mindfulness, Eastern, Western, you know, push that I'm a part of, but he's in the generation above me. So it's always great to interview um, the, the trailblazers that kind of like set the tone for us moving forward. Yes, I was on the uh, bleeding edge, as they say, of uh, consciousness studies. <laughs> yeah, you're saying that you might be the first person in the world to have a degree in consciousness studies. I haven't found anybody with an earlier degree. I got mine in 1975. So, um, yeah, it was pretty early in the hippie, uh, hippie exploration, consciousness exploration days. Yeah, that's awesome. I can't wait to hear more about your story. So in this first uh, segment, I'd like to hear about kind of how you became who you were, um, struggles that you went through, how you became stronger afterwards, and what kind of led to the uh, discovery of the clear beliefs method. So dive right in. Like, how did you become Lion? <laughs> well, first of all, I wasn't born with that name. I changed my name when I was 19 years old. Um, I tell the story that my parents gave me an assumed name. They assumed I would like it when I grew up, mm -hmm. and I didn't. <laughs> so I changed it. Um, I grew up feeling very alone and separated from other people, and I, I figured that there must be something really wrong with me. Mm -hmm. And so that got me interested in the mind and psychology and, uh, and, and other topics because I wanted to fix myself. I wanted to be normal like those other people. And so I was an early observer. Even in elementary school, I was observing other kids and thinking to myself, well, I, I think more about me than they think about them. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, so that led me to uh, an interest in things like uh, reincarnation and psychic phenomenon. And I practiced telepathy with my girlfriend at the age of 13 uh, and I got involved. I was just interested in anything about the mind. And I thought someday I'd become a psychiatrist because my mother wanted me to be a doctor and I was interested in the mind, so mind doctor, psychiatrist, right? So, so that was kind of, I assumed that was what my direction was going to be. Uh, and then I got to college and I met my first true teacher. Um, uh, like Robert Bly talks about the male mother, the one that takes you out of your household mm -hmm. and, and turns you into a man. His name was T.D. Lingo, and he lived in uh, Black Hawk, Colorado, up in the mountains. And he had 250 acres of beautiful mountain property with no electricity and no running water. Mm -hmm. log cabins, open campfires, wood stoves. Uh, and I became uh, a, a student of his. And we I worked with him for four years while in college. Then I dropped out of college to study with him. And he was interested in consciousness. Uh, he was an even earlier explorer than I was. He was the generation before me. Yeah. And he had had his own enlightenment experience and was trying to figure it out. And he said the answer is somewhere in the brain. 
So we studied a, a book, uh, one of the first books that was written for the public called The Machinery of the Brain, which uh, we, we studied and then we created uh, exercises to do based on how the brain worked. And so we were early explorers of inner consciousness because he was trying to figure out how to get other people this enlightenment experience. And I was in Boulder, and so I had lots of teachers, lots of gurus coming through town and lots of workshops. Uh, and so everything that was that had anything to do with the nature of human nature, I was really interested in. So I was a student of that. Uh, but then when I graduated with that degree in consciousness studies, nobody was hiring people with degrees in consciousness studies. <laughs> <laughs> there weren't any. Yeah. <laughs> I was the first. So I, I couldn't find a job. And so I took a job as a traveling salesman, uh, and I was traveling around the Southwest selling jewelry and gift items to stores. And uh, that led, after about a year and a half of that, to a, a lot of confusion on my part because I knew that this wasn't what I was destined for. <laughs> but I didn't know what I should do. Maybe I should go back to school, get an MD, and then become a psychiatrist or maybe a PhD in psychology. I didn't quite know. I was kind of lost, but having a good time on the road. And then an incident happened uh, when I was 26, in which I picked up a guy whose car had broken down in the Mojave Desert, and he ended up traveling with me for three days. And the third night out, he pulled out a gun and shot me four times in the head. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I said. Yeah. And wow. uh, I won't go into the whole story because it's a long story. Mm -hmm. uh, I've written it up. It's been made into a movie. That's kind of my famous story. Um, but over the over a period of eight hours, we negotiated our way out of this conundrum. He didn't really want to kill me, even though he tried. Um, I didn't want to die. So how do we extract ourselves from that process? So during that during that experience, I was out of body. I was looking down. I knew I was going to die. So I was ready to go home, you know, back to the light. Um, and so I had this experience directly that I was not my body. It was very clear, and I stayed conscious throughout this whole process. So um, uh, I maintained awareness through the whole thing, and that enabled me to not have any PTSD afterwards mm -hmm. because I stayed awake and I kept breathing. Yeah. You didn't dissociate. Fully. Right, right. Yeah. So at that point, I said, well, I don't want to be on the road anymore. <laughs> Enough of that. Um, and so uh, I looked around for a job and I became a headhunter. I got my first job as a headhunter, which is kind of ironic after having my head hunted to become a headhunter. But that's the nature of irony. Um, and that became my career for 25 years. Um, but at the same time, I maintained my interest in consciousness. I took workshops and trainings, everyone I could. I studied shamanic practices uh, and I also got married and had a child and did the householder thing. Um, always looking for an understanding of consciousness itself. And after studying other people's stuff for 20 years or so, I realized I have something to teach. I figured some things out. And the things I figured out were, you know, that the core of our experience, at the core of our consciousness, are beliefs, not just mental ideas, but actually experiential constructs. So a baby coming out of the womb, uh, you know, may come to the conclusion, if I cry and make a fuss, I'll get taken care of. And that's a belief. It's a conclusion. It's a really good idea for a baby. Now, baby doesn't have language, mm -hmm. but they have experiences. 
and so that's the kind of core belief I'm talking about, something really deeply the infrastructure of the human mind in the same way that neurons are the infrastructure of the human brain. So I began teaching a process that I kind of downloaded from, from spirit and that it worked really well. And then I started building this program called the clear beliefs method, which now has a dozen different methodologies integrated together that I teach to coaches, therapists, and healers around the world. And, uh, it's uh, quite phenomenal because it produces rapid and permanent transformation, unlike most processes, which are temporary or partial, or you feel the same way you did before two days later after a great workshop. So that's uh, that's a brief history. Yeah, there's a lot there to, to dive into. Um, I guess I want to start with a basic definition first, though. How would you define consciousness? Because I think it can be you know, interpreted 10,000 different ways. Well, what's your definition of that? Uh, as soon as you define something, you're saying that's not what it is. Mm. So we have a language problem, but I'll take a different tack on it. Let's say it's a model of the universe. We know that we, that there's space, time, energy, and matter. Those are called the four fundamentals. And they're fundamental because you can't define them in terms of something else. You can define the relationships like E equals MC squared, right? Matter equals energy at the speed of light squared. And there's a thing called space-time. But you can't say space is actually something else. It's that fundamental. Right? Consciousness is the fifth fundamental. Mm -hmm. It can't be defined in terms of something else. It is everywhere in universe, the same as space, time, energy, and matter. It's in all things. It's part of, it's part of all things. Things may be made of it. We're certainly made of it. And our mind, we each have a mind, which is part of the greater one mind. And so that's the way I see it. That's the model I use. I'm very careful with words and careful not to say, I believe this because I traffic in beliefs, right? <laughs> I'm very careful to not believe something, but I can say that this is the best model I've found for understanding consciousness. And because we have consciousness and consciousness is everywhere, we can communicate with anywhere, anything, anyone. Uh, we do it through language in our body embodied social uh, structures uh, but we cannot we also communicate in our dreams we communicate with our body our body's communicating all the time the, the nervous system is a gigantic information highway <clears throat> pardon me it's communicating with the environment all at all times so um anything anyone that tries to define consciousness in other terms is going to have a hard time and this is where the hard problem comes in you know, we know that there's a brain, we know that there's a mind, we know there's experience, but you can't open up the brain and find experience anywhere. <laughs> In fact, yeah. you fill your patient and they won't have any anymore, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, and people talk about changing your brain, but the only way to change your brain is with a drill and a scalpel and some electrodes. So, so what we have to work with is our experience. Our experience is the fundamental thing we all know and have. And so that's what I work with is direct experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really like how you how you frame that of being like a fundamental force and being something that can't really be quantified, right? But you know it when you see it, right? And you know that it's kind of part of the life, right? And I, I like the hard problem question because, yeah, we were talking before, like I studied neuroscience and consciousness, and we still don't know like where memories are, right? There doesn't seem to be a hard drive. There doesn't seem to be like a repository. There doesn't seem to be any kind of physical correlate. 
um, with those things. It all tends to be very associative and very, you know, muddy, very cloudy, right? It's more, it's more like patterns firing. Um, yes. You know, the current models is like a holographic storage system rather than like a physical storage system. Um, but anyway, I, I'm curious to go back to your story. As you're doing this belief work, were there any beliefs that you found that you had, right, installed deep down there that you had to overcome or break through or transform whatever language, you know, fits for you? Well, my whole life has been about that. Um, yeah. I remember in, in therapy as a young man, finally coming to the conclusion, oh, it's not my mother's fault. Yeah. <laughs> that was a belief shift, right? And it changed things. It allowed me to be responsible for my life instead of blaming my mother for everything, right? Um, uh, I'll give you another example. I, I, I walked into a party one time that I was I wanted to be at. I knew there was going to be a lot of people I knew. And as soon as I walked in the door, I felt weird. It was, I just I couldn't even identify the feeling. It was just weird throughout my body. And I knew something had been triggered. Mm -hmm. And so I sat down and I closed my eyes and I went through my process that I developed, this clear beliefs method. And I felt the feeling. And then I asked, what belief are you? And what came back immediately is, I don't belong here. Mm -hmm. And I realized, oh, yeah, that's an old belief that I had cleared a long time ago, but it got triggered by something. We don't, I don't know what it was, maybe somebody's hand movement or a smell or a particular face or scowl. That someone, but it didn't matter. What mattered is that I got triggered and I was having this feeling. And so I did my process to clear that belief and replaced it with the belief I belong here. Mm -hmm. And I stood up. I looked around. It was a completely different party. Now it was warm and comfortable and people were waving me over saying, hey, Lion, come over and talk to us. And so that, that took about 20 seconds. So when we're having it, so our beliefs create our experience. So if we can change our beliefs, we can change our experience no matter what it is. So, you know, I could list hundreds of beliefs that I've cleared, but what matters more is what belief do you want to clear? Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. Right. So it's like, you can clear those beliefs and then, yeah, like you said, your whole perspective changes, right? All of a sudden I imagine you're, like you said, you're noticing different parts of the party. You're, you know, maybe you're enjoying the music more. You feel more ground in your body. Maybe you feel attracted to somebody, right? Like it opens up the door for a completely different experience. Absolutely. You're much more present because our beliefs trigger us, trigger our feelings and reactions. Yep. Once we're in the reaction, we're no longer in the feeling, we're no longer present. And so clearing the belief at its core, and this is what I discovered, is it's possible to clear it completely and permanently. And when you do that, then it doesn't come back unless it's triggered by you know, unusual circumstances. But I've worked, I worked with people who said, oh, my God, I've been carrying that burden my whole life, and now it's gone. And that's the power of our process. We call it trauma-informed therapeutic coaching because we understand the role of trauma in our lives, almost everybody's been traumatized mm -hmm. at some level by some experience. And that's a good way to create beliefs. Like, oh, I'm being beaten. Uh, there must be something really bad about me. Because children come to conclusions. They're trying to make meaning of the world, make, make figure it out. You know, how do I behave? How do I have to be in order to be acceptable? Mm -hmm. And so these are beliefs, uh, experiential conclusions that children come to. And those are good beliefs at the time. It worked at the time to be safe or to not get beaten or to stay out of the way or to be quiet. But then that same belief doesn't just go away. It stays with you your whole life. Other beliefs get piled on top of it, but it's still there in the subconscious mind, kind of sleeping with one eye open. And when it gets triggered, it jumps up 
and reasserts itself, especially when you're trying to do something new. So mm-hmm. people will come up with a great idea. They'll start moving forward with a great new idea or a commitment to lose weight or to get strong or whatever. And the old beliefs get triggered and they come up and they go, oh, you'll never do that. You'll never accomplish that. You're no good. Why, why bother? And so people quit moving forward in their life because of these old patterns, these old beliefs that kept them safe in childhood. So that those are the kinds of things we work on to clear it out so you can clear the past, be more present and create a different, better future. Yeah. I love that. Right. I mean, I said psychoanalysis and the word for that is kind of regression, right? You regress back to those old beliefs when the mind has to grow and change in a new way. So I'm just like, I'm loving what you're saying, you know? Um, And, you know, a story about me, uh, uh, in my early therapy experience, I had one of these beliefs that really held me back. Right. I mean, maybe similar to you, I felt like I didn't belong. I was really bullied. Um, My house, my house situation, I felt really an outsider and kind of afraid a lot at home. And I had this belief that there was something wrong with me, right? Very similar to kind of what you were saying. However, then I would go ask people. I would ask my parents. I would ask my friends, my teachers. Everyone's like, no, you're fine. Like, what are you talking about? Like, everything is is okay. You're like a wonderful kid, right? So then that belief stacked on top of it, not only was something wrong with me, now everybody was lying to me, right? Yes. So there's something wrong with exactly. me. Everyone exactly. can see it and everybody's lying to me. Right. So it, because I didn't clear that initial belief, it just kept compounding, and I was really building like a tower of lies, right? A tower of really negative self-perception. Um, that yeah, through through my work in therapy, clearing that was a big part of my healing and realizing that that kind of like what you're saying permeated almost everything I was doing, right? Like it permeated trust issues I had in relationships. It permeated my ability to make meaningful change in my life. It permeated my ambition. I mean, everything, right? Like if you believe that everyone's a liar and there's nothing wrong with you, that's <laughs> that's a shitty place to be, you know? And you're talking about b- beliefs at the identity level. Those are the hardest ones to yeah. clear. And because we're, we build our personality around them, you know, mm-hmm. who I am, the beliefs about who I am, self-image. And so the negative beliefs at that level are going to impact everything. Beliefs are like, like colored lenses we look through. Mm-hmm. And when we look through that colored lens, everything is that color. So it, it, our experience, our perceptions verify the belief, even if it's false, will always see as evidence for it. So mm-hmm. when you say I'm a, I'm no good, all you see is evidence for the fact that you're no good. You skip over or make make wrong the evidence that's in contrast to it. So when you change the belief l- lens away, when you change life is hard to life is joy, or I'm a there's something wrong with me to I'm perfectly wonderful the way I am everything looks different because you're looking out of a different lens. You're, as you said, you change your perspective on who you are. You are actually a different person. So that you, when you change it at the identity level, you're changing at the very depth of consciousness. Yeah. It's a really transformative experience, right? And it's, it's awesome that you've found a method for that. I think we'll talk about that more in the third segment, kind of how to actually do it. Um, and that you're out there training people on how to do it because Yeah. For me, I did it through therapy and that was very transformative Um, and through psychedelic work, which I know we talked about a little bit too. That was very transformative of like breaking down things that I thought were, um, were solid and static, right? Like really breaking through assumptions I made about the world. Yeah. There's nothing like a good psychedelic to change your perspective. Right. Yeah. To make me yeah, like be like, oh, wow, time is different. Right. Like something that I just never questioned is different. Oh, my own view of myself is different. My thoughts are different. I'm aware of things in a way that I never thought could be different are different. 
Um, that was a very freeing experience um, and have been freeing experiences. Um, anyway, we got a ton to talk about. We're going to move to our first commercial break. Uh, when we come back, we'll keep chatting about, you know, how beliefs keep people stuck, um, some of your methods for freeing people from belief um, and how you've, you know, built the legacy that you have. So for those uh, listeners out there, hang on in there and we'll see you on the other side of the commercial break. Our thoughts and feelings not only affect our own lives, but the lives of everyone around us. Find new meanings of love, authentic expressions, and better connections with the people in your life. Tune in to Love Light with Dr. Jean Marie Farish. This program will feature guests and discuss ideas that will bring a better life to you. When you find this perspective on love, it will change everything. Listen live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to podcast at mark-azoulay.com. Now, back to From the Ashes. Welcome back to the show. I'm sitting here with Lion Goodman, the founder of the Clear Beliefs Method. And there was a question line that I wanted to ask you in the first segment that I think we can start this one off, which is, you know, you talked about being this like spiritual explorer, right? And training with this guy in Colorado and, you know, doing the psychedelic work and studying, you know, mindfulness and consciousness, like really, you know, practicing telepathy, right? Like really like getting out there. And then you're like, well, and then I did the homemaker thing and I like, you know, had a wife and kids and family and all that. And that's something that's always interested me. I think it's maybe kind of what I'm going through too, a little bit of how do you merge like the sacred and the spiritual and the like, you know, intense peak experience with kind of like the mundanity of, of life, of just everyday living and making, making your way in the world. Well, let's talk about the word mundane, right? Yeah. Uh, it means uninteresting. Uh, for me, I'm interested in everything. Everything interests me. Uh, everything interests me about my body. Everything interests me about my mind, about other people, about life, about economics and politics, about the universe and the cosmos. I'm interested in science and sociology and psychology. And so for me, I, I haven't had a mundane bone in my body. <laughs> I have never been bored. I'm, uh, I'm a, a, an explorer is interested in everything around them. Uh, and one question has driven me my whole life, which my first teacher gave to me, which is what is the nature of human nature? And everything became relevant to me. So when I studied biology, I was studying my own biology. When I studied history, I was studying my own history, the history of my my human ancestors. When I study economics, I'm I'm studying the way humans exchange things. Why do they do what they do? How, what causes them to do what they do? And I found my own answers in this understanding of beliefs and the belief structure, the infrastructure of the human mind, but it's endlessly interesting. Every person I work with one-on-one -on -one has their own experience, their own story, their own traumas and dramas in their life. And 
I'm just fascinated by people. <laughs> and I think if you want to get out of the mundane, get fascinated by people and by, by life. So the sense of awe has never left me. Uh, the, the understanding of the mystery, the great mysteries of life. Mm -hmm. So uh, so for me, even child rearing, I mean, ch my child was the most interesting object in my universe for many years. Yeah. She was fascinating to watch how she acquired language and acquired social skills and what she got interested in, what delighted her. So for me, being a father was a total delight. Uh, and being married, well, there's marriage issues. How do you get along with someone you've lived with for 10 or 12 years, you know, and, and what's what's in the way? So uh, I think I was really lucky to have my first teacher, T.D. Lingo in Colorado, uh, who opened my eyes to that, to the wonders of the universe, to the wonders of human nature, uh, to ask the big questions of life. What is life? Why, why are we here? What are we supposed to do? What is mine to do? Uh, why do people do what the hell they do? <laughs> so, so for me, uh, the mundanities of life are just as interesting as the fantastic explorations we can do in consciousness. Yeah, it's a phenomenal answer, right? It's like appreciating the little beauty, right? Or appreciating depth is what I'm hearing. Yeah. Yeah, everything between life and death is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and death is really interesting and life is really interesting. So, you know, don't get me started. I I can point to everything around me uh as as being interesting and curious and when you have that sense of curiosity and awe that children naturally have. It's mm -hmm. like you, you get, it gets buried, it gets pushed down by our parents and our schools and social cultures. I mean, putting little boys especially in in chairs and having them sit still for 6 hours it's insane. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're trying to socialize kids by having them not be kids. Yeah. And it's, it's criminal to, in my way of thinking. Um, so, you know, we do the best we can with the, uh, if we want to change the social structure, we have to take social action. It's not something you can think about and change. There's these different universes, the personal universe, the social universe, and the physical universe, and they're kind of nested inside of each other. Uh, and people go wrong a lot by getting them mixed up. So people think, oh, law of attraction, I can just think something into existence. Mm -hmm. Well, nobody ever had a bag of money fall on their head by doing affirmations. You know? yeah. Yeah. Uh, so so, so money is like a social phenomenon. So you, if you want to make money, you have to have value and exchange value for something, you know, for something. So, um, but people get mixed up and get about who we are as creators. We're creators of our own experience. Mm -hmm but I'm not the creator of your experience. You are, and we can interact and we can communicate. That's part of the social world. And then we can create something together. Like we want to build a house. Well, we need to have, you know, start with the idea. This is where my book creating on purpose comes in. You start with the idea, but then you have to visualize it clearly. And then you have to uh, talk about it with others and get feedback. And then you have to communicate and establish relationships with people. And then eventually you get to the place where you start moving materials around the physical universe. We get to change things in the universe by shaping them and joining them and cutting them and decorating them, right? That's what we can do because we didn't create the physical universe. It was here before us. So when you apply the right rules of creation in each of the worlds of creation, that's when you get effective. Yeah. I would love to hear more about that because that process you, you just described is what I love about being an entrepreneur and being a business owner. I know a lot of our listeners are in that category and it's the idea of like, 
having an idea, right? And like you said, working through this process and bringing it, manifesting it into reality and kind of carving out a little place in the universe that's that's yours, right? Um, for me, there's nothing more rewarding than going from thought all the way down to action and, and then to legacy, right? Something that might persist beyond uh, the physical. So right. can you say a little bit more about that process or how you might work in those different realms? Sure. Um, in, in my book, Creating on Purpose, the subtitle is The Spiritual Technology of Manifesting Through the Chakras. Mm-hmm. And we use the chakras as a model for this manifestation process. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, the ancients talked about uh, the chakras both as a movement up, and most people think of the chakras as I start in my base chakra and I get open up and open up and open up, and then I get enlightened and whoopee, you know, mm-hmm. have a good time. <laughs> but there's another flow, which is the downward flow uh, from the crown, from our connection to the universe, where we get ideas down through the sixth chakra, which is vision, the fifth chakra, which is communication, the fourth, which is relationships, the third, which is power, moving things around, taking action, the second, which is passion, which is we always run into blocks and barriers. So we need to have enough passion to get through them and to push through to create our creation. And then the first chakra is connected to our legs and our feet. So that's where you take one step at a time and get real. And notice the energies are densifying. They're, they're, they're becoming more and more condensed as we go down through the chakras. So that we take an idea, which is very fluffy and open and <laughs> doesn't have any reality and moving it down into physical reality where we take physical actions and do physical things to make physical things happen. Mm-hmm. So that's the process uh, that we describe in the book. And beliefs can interfere with any of those processes. So, for example, if you believe you shouldn't talk out loud, or I need to stay quiet to please my parents, mm-hmm. you're going to have a very tough time communicating your needs, wants, or, or desires. Uh, if you feel like I have no power, you're not going to be able to move anything forward. So you, at each level, you've got to clear the beliefs that are in the way that are preventing that full flow of energy down through the chakras. That's great. So it's creating on purpose. You know, that's available on Amazon. Yes. You want to check yes. that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I mean, you, I've had a lot of um, spiritual people on the show and I like that you have a grounded approach to it, right? Because I have the same beliefs as you, um, or the same ideas as you, that manifesting only gets you so far, right? Like you need to actually do stuff and you need to be able to, you know, make things happen and, and, and you know, manifest your power and do all that. And I, I like that you have a book that is about the more practical side of it. Um, because yeah, I think a lot of people in the current kind of communication, the current side guys can get stuck in the, in the thought process, right? And get stuck with like, oh yeah, your mindset's all that's important. It's like, yeah, it's very important, but you also need to like act on it. You know, um, the way I'd express it in my practice is like the um, combination of insight and action. You know, I find that a lot of therapists get stuck in the insight piece, but they struggle in the action part, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, there's there's power in manifesting. And part of the new age uh, bullshit, if you'll pardon my expression, Mm -hmm. uh, is that we can create with our mind. Mm Mind is part of the creation process, but as you said, it's it's not the only thing. Right. 
And there's this idea of spiritual bypassing, right? If you if you can't deal with your shadow material, and I think this is where you talk about the ashes work, right? Mm -hmm. If you can't do your ashes work, if you can't look into your deep subconscious mind and find the issues that are there that are causing your problems, you just do a spiritual bypass. Oh, I'll just be spiritual. I'll just sit and meditate and everything will be fine. Then you're not really dealing with, with the foundation of your life. And you've got to do the digging. It's like, Beliefs are uh, are like a garden, right? If you're going to create new beliefs, uh, if or it's like creating a new garden. The first thing you do is you clear the rocks and weeds from, uh, from the soil. Because if you throw your new ideas, your new belief seeds on rocky, weedy ground, not much is going to grow. Mm -hmm. But if you clear the ground first, if you get rid of the negative beliefs from the past and the negative patterns from the past, then you've got good soil. And then when you plant your seeds, they have the opportunity to grow and seed and blossom and, and give you fruit and flowers. So that's the process is you clear the old stuff first. And then when you implant your new beliefs, then they can really take root and manifest in your life. Yeah. Yeah. So let's dive right into it. Like, how do you start to clear some of that stuff? The ashes content, the shadows content, right? Like the stuff, the limiting beliefs, how would someone start on that path? Well, first of all, there's there's hundreds of ways. There's hundreds of people you know, hawking their particular way of clearing your mind. Uh, one of the most popular that doesn't work very well is, well, just change your mind. Mm -hmm. Just think, think different. Thoughts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> CBT, right? Right, right. Yeah. Uh, which is groovy, you know, for a while, but then the old beliefs come back and take mm -hmm. over again because you've got to clear them out of the subconscious mind. Here's my breakthrough is when I looked, when I first realized beliefs were at the core, and then I looked at, okay, if we change our beliefs, we can change our experience of life and change who we are. Then how do you change them? And I tried lots of different methods, and most of them were temporary or partial. They didn't get to be, they, they didn't complete. Mm -hmm. And so then I tried to figure out what do they have in common? Because sometimes they did. Sometimes I had a big, oh, wow, big change, transformation, didn't change back. And so I looked at what do they have in common? And what they had in common was that they were multidimensional shifts. They weren't just the mind. They weren't just an idea. They weren't just a, a belief, a mental construct. They weren't just physical or emotional or spiritual. They combined everything. They were mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, energetic, social, relational, uh, environmental. It's like it was a complete shift. And so I said, okay, well, how do I do that? <laughs> mm -hmm. And so I gathered uh, 12 different methods to do that and put them together into the clear beliefs method. And we use uh, many different methods. We use a, an embodied mindfulness method. We use a, a imaginal realm uh, guided imagery method. We use memory reconsolidation work. We we're doing lots of different things and it depends on the person. If you, all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And if all you have is one technique, you, you try that on everybody and it works a few times, but not on everyone. So we have a whole tool set for going in and changing those beliefs at the core. They're all multidimensional tools to clear the multidimensional constructs that we call beliefs. And so that's that's my big breakthrough, why my methodology works so much better. And it produces not only rapid, but complete and permanent change and transformation. So people will say, oh, my God, like that thing I've been carrying my whole life is gone. Mm -hmm. And it's really gone. It's really gone. And I think 
Yeah, through my version of the work, I've definitely felt like a physical, like I said, a very somatic physical relief of like, whoa, this, there was something here. There was a dark cloud in front of my eyes or there was like yeah, you know, weight I was carrying or something. Um, I'm curious from your work, do you have any success stories that you can share? Testimonials, something like that? Oh, tons. Uh, but let me let me grab one or two. Um, yeah. One of my favorite stories is a, a guy who came to me was a multimillionaire. And the reason he was a multimillionaire is because he made millions, then he lost millions. Then he made millions, he lost millions, he made millions, he lost millions. And he was tired and frustrated with the pattern. And he came to me and said, okay, I got this pattern, what's going on? And so with my methodology, I took him back in time to the origin point of this pattern. Mm -hmm. And he suddenly remembered being three years old, walking on the streets of New York with his mother, hand in hand. And he saw a shiny penny on the ground. He got very excited. He was, and he reached down to pick up the penny and his mother jerked him back and said, don't touch that, it's dirty. Mm -hmm. And he suddenly realized that the reason he couldn't hold on to his money was because it was dirty and he shouldn't touch it. Love that. That was driving, no matter how much money he made, mm -hmm. he could not hold on to it because of that belief. We cleared that belief and he didn't have to lose his money anymore. Mm -hmm. So there's a there's an, one example. Another is I was working with a psychotherapist who was very successful in her career, in her life. She had family and she was doing great, but she had this thing, this feeling of dread, like something bad was going to happen. Mm -hmm. And even though she knew it wasn't true and she had tried lots of methodologies, she just, it just hung over her. So in one session, we cleared it. And I checked in with her a couple months later. I said, how's it going? She said, it's amazing. After a whole lifetime of feeling something bad's going to happen, that, that hasn't come up at all in this last two months. She said, wait a minute. No, it did. About a week ago, I had the thought something bad's going to happen. And I realized, oh, I don't believe that anymore. And it went away. Yeah, there's like countered right there. Yeah. And that's our acid test is, did it come back or is it completely gone? And if it's completely gone, that's cool. If it comes back, it's usually an, a belief that's part of the cluster because beliefs cluster together, they reinforce each other. And so some, you know, you might have the, the beliefs clustering together. I'm no good. Nobody likes me. There's something wrong with me. I'm a failure. Uh, and um, I smell bad. <laughs> and and so we have to clear those one by one. And sometimes you can get to the very core, which usually is in the first two years of life before we had words. Mm -hmm. And then we do an experiential clearing, not a verbal clearing, right? Mm -hmm. So because it's always, it's all about experience. And so we're taking people back to an original incident in which this formation started. And if we can pop that one, sometimes the whole cluster goes and sometimes mm -hmm. Part of it goes and we have to pick off the other ones. But most of us have, as far as I can tell, three to five clusters of beliefs mm -hmm. that really get in our way. So this process doesn't take a long time. We can clear at least one belief in each session. And it may take, you know, three months or six months of sessions to clear all those clusters. And then you have the technology inside of you and you can use it to clear whatever comes up later, whatever gets triggered later because we have tens of thousands of beliefs, maybe hundreds of thousands. And so uh, we don't have to clear the good ones, the ones that work, you know, like the belief, look both ways before you cross mm -hmm. the street. That's a good belief for a kid. It's also a good belief for an adult. You right. don't want to keep get rid that, of that one. one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, you said experiment, experiential clearing, and I'm wondering, because um, part of my work, do you ever do psychodrama work or kind of like cathartic release work where people are acting out those beliefs or resequencing in that way? I don't. I've experienced yeah. it myself. I think yeah. those are, so any technique that is more than one dimensional is good. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, tapping is pretty much one dimensional, clears the energetic. And yep. it, if you clear enough of the energy, it might get to the subconscious mind, most people find it not very effective. Mm -hmm. Affirmations, good mental technique, it's one dimensional, uh, but it doesn't have much power. Um, The more you get your body involved, the psychodrama or or, uh, breath work, um, the more of the dimensions you're working with, but even psychedelic therapy or even uh, psychodrama can clear out parts of it, but not necessarily all of it. You really have really have to make sure you get all of it from all of the systems. And we've got a lot of systems uh, in our in our experience. So experience is multidimensional. We're feeling, seeing, thinking, tasting, and we're in an environment, we're in relationships. Uh, so our experience is multidimensional and beliefs are made of our experience. So beliefs are multidimensional. So you have to clear them with a multidimensional method. And the more multidimensional the method, the better it works. Yeah, I mean that's that's what I found too. Is the more like visceral or like guttural it can be, the more people tend to um, just break through and have it be like a real milestone in their life and right. something they can truly like anchor. Right, they can anchor on as they're developing their identity um, moving forward. Um, we got to move to our next commercial break here, but when we come back, uh, I want to hear a technique that you can give away to the listeners and then where they can find you online. Um, so Great. if you're listening, um, hang on in there, and we'll see you on the other side. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the load on guests. In Mark's work with high performers and business owners, it is becoming increasingly clear to him that their biggest obstacle to success is themselves. They are experts in their field, but are dragged down by their anxiety, poor time management, inability to focus, or self-sabotage. His role is to help you overcome these emotional and organizational issues so that you can truly excel in your business and your personal life. One of the most common hurdles that he sees is perfectionism, a crippling anxiety around performance. It's a fear of not being good enough, being publicly embarrassed, or of disappointing others. These fears paralyze brilliant people and bring them to their knees. This course will help you to break free from this mental prison and have more agency in your world. In this online course, we will break down the prison of perfectionism so that you can break out of it. For more information and to sign up, visit mark-azulay.teachable.com. That's mark, M-A-R-C-Azulay, A-Z-O-U-L-A-Y, dot teachable.com. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. 
Are you ready to move to your next level? Listen for Empowering Women, Transforming Lives with host Rebecca Hall Greider. Each show will focus on a central topic with discussion, guests, and your questions being featured. Our show is perfect for women who feel a call in their heart to step out in a bigger, more powerful way in their life and just need some encouragement, inspiration, and practical steps to support them on their journey. Empowering Women, Transforming Lives can be heard live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel with a replay of the show Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to podcast at mark-azoulay.com. Now, back to From the Ashes. All right, welcome back to the show. In the final segment, we'd like to talk directly to you, the listeners. Um, so Lion's going to walk me through, actually, a way to clear some of the beliefs that I hold. And you're more than welcome to follow along um, and to learn uh, how to do this technique for yourself. So yeah, Lion, take it away. All right, good. Control. So, so Mark, what, what's an experience that you're having that you'd rather not have? Yeah, I think the experience that I'm having is, you know, when I try to lose weight or exercise or things like that, I don't push myself to where I need to. I think I'm afraid of being weak. I'm afraid of getting hurt. I'm a, I can often feel like clumsy in my body or just kind of, um, yeah, like, like I, I feel more childlike than I am. Like, I don't feel like I inhabit like a man's body, if that makes sense. Mm, it does make sense. <clears throat> so if you were going to put that in the form of a belief, uh, how would you phrase it? I think the belief would be like, I'm weak or I'm small. Um, I'm not capable of this. Good. Like okay, that. great. So you've you've given a verbal form to it, and I invite all the our listening audience to do the same thing. Find something that you don't like and put it in the form of a belief. So, Mark, I'd like to work with you on um, I'm weak. I'm not. What was it? There were three things you said. I'm weak. Oh, yeah. I'm weak. I'm small and I'm, I'm not capable. I'm not. Okay. okay, good. So close your eyes and feel what it feels like to hold that belief. I'm weak. I'm small and I'm not capable. Mm -hmm. And notice where it feels like it's in your body. Yeah, I can feel like my shoulders rounding forward. Like I kind of want to like close up a little bit, um, hide, kind of, you know, hunch forward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, just feel that sense of hunching forward mm -hmm. and scan the rest of your body for any other sensations that you feel there. Yeah, I think there's uh, it's, not, it's emotion. There's fear. Mm -hmm. I think there's like this, like it's like there's like a hypervigilance thing that's going, like a scanning. Mm -hmm. um, there is a uh, there's like a little bit of shaking, tremoring. I think mm -hmm. like there's like in my heart area. Um, you know, root my legs down. My my legs don't feel grounded. Yeah, very good. So just be willing to feel that whole thing and stay in that feeling, that sensation. 
the feeling part is really crucial to our process because we we work with the felt sense of what's happening in the body, the embodied experience. And so be willing to feel it, even though it's uncomfortable or even painful. Really get to know it as if it's an old friend that's come visiting and you don't really like this friend, but you invite them in for tea anyway. So, okay, okay, you're here, I'll come on in, get to know you a bit. And tell me when you've really got a handle on that whole experience as, as a whole. Yeah, I, I think I'm in it. Okay, good, good. Yeah. So what I'd like you to do now is to begin spiraling back in time to earlier and earlier times when you felt this sensation. You're going to follow it and track it, kind of like tracking an animal back to its lair. So let your mind go back in time. We call it spiraling back in time. And notice earlier times when you felt this sensation. And it's kind of like a stone skipping across water. You just dip in, remember it, and then go further back and dip in again and remember it. And just let your mind travel back in time earlier and earlier to times that you felt the sensation. And I'll narrate that a little bit for the listeners. I think the first thing that came up is um, doing yard work as a kid and like hiding from that because it was hard for me and like I wasn't skilled or able to do it. So I remember like hiding in my room, sleeping in, not wanting to wake up um, or like have my dad find me, right? And like uh, tell me to go do something outside. And then I think back to my mom that I think I was very afraid of growing up and again, hiding in my room, um, not feeling strong enough to confront her, not feeling, um, again, not wanting to be seen, I think by her, mm -hmm. um, wanting to just kind of, yeah, be small, um, Beautiful. Keep going back further and further to the earliest time you can remember feeling that sensation. Yeah, that's probably the earliest. I don't. I don't have a lot of uh, like young childhood memories. Mm -hmm. But I think if you go to like yeah, call it six, seven, maybe eight. Mm -hmm. I think just like there's, there's a lot of hiding, a lot of hiding, and. Um, I think trying to be really, really quiet. Uh, I remember um, tracking her vacuuming. She'd vacuum the home and I would try to be where she wasn't because when the vacuum was on, I would know where she was. So I would be um, just wherever that was. And she'd vacuum me downstairs, I'm upstairs. If she's vacuuming upstairs, I'm downstairs. So that's Good. probably more of an anchor. So, and what was the bad thing that you were hiding from? What was What would happen if she saw you, got mad at you? I'd uh, get yelled at, um, you know, on some occasions get hit, uh, have, you know, toys broken, things like that. I think it was like, probably ultimately like fear of, of judgment and fear of like emotional violence, um, fear of like being scrutinized and found wanting. Good. You know? And what did you conclude from those experiences about yourself? I think that I wasn't good enough that I was, yeah, there was something really wrong with me. Um, mm -hmm. that like, I was, yeah, I was doing something wrong or I was being something wrong, mm -hmm. you know? Um, Good. Well, I know we don't have much time left, so I just want to mm -hmm. sort of land here and say we've come to the originating experience mm -hmm. of this belief. And the next step would be to clear it with one of the many techniques that, that we apply. 
One is called The Rescuing the Inner Child. And that's what I would have taken you to had we had time. Um, because we can actually go back in our memory system and change what happened because memory is malleable. Mm -hmm. uh, we can replace old memories. The child self is caught in those traumatic experiences. And we can go back and actually change the experience, take the child out of that experience and give them a new experience. And that shifts what we remember happened. And it's a very powerful process that actually clears it from consciousness because the inner child is now having a different experience. They're not afraid. They're not going to be, be, be beaten up. They're not going to be bullied. Now they're a happy child. So we shift the inner parts of us through memory reconsolidation by shifting the memories originating. So thank you for going through that and locating you know, the origin of that experience that you're having now as an adult. Now we could go back, clear it, and let that whole process, let that whole experience go. That's great. Yeah, that was a good experiential. Um, you know, for listeners there, it definitely was like a physical feeling. I mean, it was really like a visceral feeling that I was having as Lion was guiding me back there. And um, yeah, I'm excited to see kind of how the, the technique develops and kind of where it goes from there. Um, so we're just about at time. Uh, yeah, Lion, could you say a little bit about where people could find you online if they want to, you know, work with one of your coaches or if they want to get trained themselves? Sure. Um, my personal website is liongoodman.com. That's L-I-O-N, good man. And uh, you can find out about my coaching services there. If you want to do some belief exploration, we offer free monthly programs called Belief Relief. And you can sign up at beliefrelief.net. And if you're interested, if you're a practitioner and you want to learn these techniques for your clients, you can explore our training program at clearbeliefs.com. Great. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. Um, I'm sure I'll have you back on for a future episode. I think there's a lot of overlap and a lot of great um, things that you can teach our listeners. So thanks again for being here. And we'll see you next week in another episode of From the Ashes. Thank you for joining host Mark Azoulay on From the Ashes. Be sure to tune in again live next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel or subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Meet triumph and defeat and treat those two imposters the same.